This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, I'm glad to welcome back Steve Baker. Um, Happy to be back. He's been doing some traveling in Scotland and Italy. Yeah. And uh, you're back. Yeah. Everybody is in good form over there, too. Yep. Well... (laughs) We've certainly been through it here while you've been gone, and uh, I heard I heard there was a lot of hippie dancing going on oh, here, and oh, that's sort of the, that's what everyone's found out is the, the reason it, for the water. It's the roots of it is rain dancing, too much rain <laughs> dancing, and but we'll talk about that some other time. Um, Steve, we have um, all been experiencing this really extreme weather with rain and snow. I don't know about you, but I'm really wondering about this year's storms um, and what they mean for us in California. How, how how can we look at this? You know, first of all, we need to understand what has just happened to us, all right? And then we can look at the ramifications for more flooding, drought, fire, environmental habitats, okay? Okay, what just happened? Because there's so much water in the atmosphere, and that's because we have a slowly warming climate, it's everyone knows that, uh, there are these narrow bands of moisture in the atmosphere that have been crossing the Pacific. Okay, now these have been delivering an intensely focused water delivery to every, uh, th- through the end of this, what appears to be like a band. I, I, I envision it as, I imagine a, a hose that's pointed at California and it's swinging around based on the winds. And we happen to be in front of it this year. And so California and the uh, western coast has, has always experienced these. You know, we call them atmospheric river storms now, but they were the Pineapple Express. That's how it was expressed <laughs> in the past. But we're, we're experiencing these in a much greater rate and also intensity. So that's what we just went through. So, Steve, uh, how do we uh, – we now sit with the snowpack. And oh, yeah. What is our future – uh, as the snowpack melts, how is that going to affect us? Yeah, yeah, good question. The uh, last report I saw on the snowpack was that we're we're almost we're like practically two hundred percent of the average accumulation. That's fantastic. And if you go down to Southern California, look at the Mammoth area, they're at almost three hundred percent of the average. So that's fantastic. The runoff during melting has filled most of our reservoirs already, and then some. They're above one hundred percent. And we haven't seen that for quite a while. I think everyone can attest to that. And also, it's a sort of a thank God moment for the Colorado River Basin this year. All those worst-case scenarios that everyone's been uh, predicting regarding uh, uh, reaching such a low point in Lake Mead and is, is now not going to happen in the short term only. So, you know, the way I view it, they're gonna, that's going to give us a little more time to get our act together on dealing with the Colorado River issues. And just for those who don't realize it, uh, the Colorado River, it provides in the upper basin water for Utah, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Colorado. And then down here in the lower basin is California, Nevada, and Arizona. So a lot of states rely on the Colorado River. Now, flooding, it can go in two directions. If the snowpack melts slowly, then you know what? The, minor, the flooding is going to be minor. And uh, that's what we would prefer to see. But if we get some of some sort of heat wave or some quickly rising temperatures, then look out because there will be risk to uh, major flooding and that will go way up. Uh, the window for most of this activity begins today and will extend at least into May. So uh, be aware of possible flooding if we have a warm spell. 
Well, with all that snowpack, uh, the soils must be saturated. Yeah. And uh, does the abundance of water mean a lower fire risk this summer and fall? Uh, how about that? Not really. Not really. It's, it's good for the higher elevations. I can tell you that. But the lower elevations, they're still going to get dried out during those California summer months. And so you're looking at uh, building, you know, the fuel load going up. A lot of down trees from all the winds that blew trees over and, and other debris from this year's storms. And, uh, and on top of that, because of the moist soils, we're going to have a lot more grasses growing. And all that's fuel in the forest to start another forest fire once things dry out. Now, let's keep in mind, remember 2017, that was a whopper good water year of the century, actually. But subsequently to that, the years ahead, you know, it led to the most destructive fire seasons in the, in, in the century. So, so we, we want to be aware of that and we want to be diligent. Wildfires destroyed over 10,000 structures in the state, uh, which was more than the prior nine years of that time. Well, at least it means the trees will be healthier. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a big thing. Oh, no, I mean, absolutely. They're shearing thing. now in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, Steve, that's all, that all sounds like the environmental habitats are going to probably be hit in a, maybe a bad way. Well, cuts both ways. Uh, yes, rapid river flows will scour rivers and creek beds. That's for sure. And that destroys habitats and the life that lives there. But on the other hand, high flows also can help some of the fish, like salmon, travel upstream. And then there's the uh, additional benefit of nutrient loading uh, that can be enhanced um, all within parameters. And that would be a good thing as well. Now, water events usually have a way of tipping the scale in both directions. So... uh, just recognize, you know, if there's some good stuff, there may be some bad stuff as well. My read is, you know, enjoy the water that's been delivered to us so abundantly this year. And at the same time, be extra vigilant on preparing for wildfires this coming season. So uh, it's just part of life here living in the foothills in the Sierra area. And, um, and so being adaptive, being resourceful on how you're going about this it's an art form so let's get into the art (laughs) and make sure we enjoy everything and just intrigued with the circumstance that we're in uh one more question how does this uh, huge rainfall uh does that affect wells in a positive way yes absolutely Uh, however the the uh to, to actually experience the benefits in some of the wells may take some time because there's a lag time from that water at the ground surface percolating down and actually going into the aquifer systems. But think of it as, uh, as piston flow in, in one sense in that if you just make the column of water higher, it's going to push down and cause more, you know, the water levels in the wells to go up. So uh, it's, it's a benefit. But Central Valley, it's going to be a long time. We need a lot of years like this, and we need improved percolation into the ground so that the groundwater aquifers do get filled. In the foothills, we have fractures, and there'll be some areas that will experience these benefits that we've had this year with rain delivery immediately. And there are other areas, uh, for example, down in the Penn Valley region that uh, may take longer to actually experience this, or really any of the deeper uh, offer systems up here in the foothills. Steve, nice to have you back. Thank you hey, very great much. Great to be back. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. 
This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co.